Welcome to the Turfgrass Hotline, brought to you by our partners at DryJack, the only machine that aerates top dresses and amends in a single pass. And our partners at Intelligro, manufacturers of Civitas, a fungicide that's so much more. Welcome to the Turfgrass Hotline. I'm Frank Rossi. I'm with Rich Buckley, Director of Diagnostic Services at Rutgers University. On the heels of field day, what looked like a wonderful field day, Rich. A lot of people out there saw everybody out. I wonder if Bruce Clark told everybody he lost his lawn to gray leaf spot again. (laughs) Well, Bruce was happy that the gray leaf spot infection uh, came on in time for the field day. So he got a big crowd and a fair amount of laughs looking at at some of that dead grass. So he's got gray leaf spot already out there at the research farm. And is that because they're purposely doing everything wrong to get the problem to come on? Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. They don't have to inoculate it anymore, but what they do is uh, they start seedlings, you know, seedling ryegrass, it's getting over fertilized and watered a whole lot. And so he's, he's pushing the grass and, and he's all the time coming into the lab trying to see if he has pythium blight or gray leaf spot out there. So he's created this perfect storm for both of those diseases. So he doesn't have to inoculate with gray leaf spot. Is it blowing in or is it overwintering, Rich? That's a great question. We have some evidence from the 90s that it overwinters. Gail Schumann and Wakar Uden tracked it through the winter and a couple golf courses in New Jersey. And then we also have the contrast, you know, from Pete Dernoden and Steve McDonald and Kaminsky when they were grad students would never see the disease until they started catching it in spore traps blowing from the south. So uh, so we don't know. Yeah, the jury's out. You know, I would suspect it's, it overwinters to some extent. And we get an influx of new spores every year in the wind anyway. Well, you know, it seems to me that the gray leaf spot issues are becoming earlier and earlier. I I know you're doing everything wrong out there. And you also got a sample from a place that has to do a number of things wrong for the game that's played on it, right? The early gray leaf spot sample was from a professional soccer complex. Yes, absolutely. And, And those guys, you know, the soccer players like the grass wet, mm-hmm. you know, like a putting green, it's about ball roll. Right. So they created their whole problem themselves. Okay, so since we're talking about gray leaf spot, let's go down this road a little bit more. I had a chat with Steve McDonald, and he was concerned that last year all the fungicides failed. Was Bruce able to show a lot of fungicides that are working well? I think the choices are limited. Certainly some of the DMI fungicides work okay. The Straubel Learns Heritage has always been a cannon in the arsenal. You know, thiophanate methyl product is, is a material that a lot of people kind of abandoned. Mm. does a pretty good job. So, so there's products out there. I think the key really is to mix and rotate and be on your schedule in high-value sensitive areas. Mm. So it's tall fescue and ryegrass now, not just ryegrass anymore, huh? Yes, we see in tall fescue. And and you know what? I've been getting a lot of folks that are worried about gray leaf spot sending samples. And we've been seeing a lot of the other leaf spots, yeah. you know, the net blotch and brown blight and, and ryegrass and that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, they're, they're out there too. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and thanks for pivoting to the other foliar diseases because above ground, it's been a soup. We talk regularly, and and early in the year, it was uh, enormous red thread pressure that, as the temperature rose, went to dollar spot. 
It's getting warmer. You get the brown patch. And now it seems like we're in Pythium and gray leaf spot weather. Has each of those been as bad as you've seen in a while? Yeah. The red thread was spectacular earlier in the year. I'll say the same for the brown patch, too. In the last couple of weeks, you know, in landscape turf and parks and stuff, that's largely tall fescue or ryegrass. It's just ripping. It looks great. You know, I've, I've... on many occasions stopped and took pictures. <laughs> well, we always have to tell everybody, right? That looks great to you is the direct opposite of looks great to somebody else. Yeah, man, a good year for me. Everybody's hurting. <laughs> That's right. So uh, no Pythium yet? A couple of samples of Pythium. Um, not that much root Pythium, not as much as I thought there would be. You know, Pythium is something that I, I, you know, guys recognize it. So I get less of it than, than maybe that's out in the field. So if we're moving underground now, again, I, I chatted with Steve McDonald recently. He said something interesting about the wet conditions causing more native soils to become compacted when they're driven on, on a golf course in particular, or on a sports field where, you know, a lot of foot traffic is happening. How has the root pathogen problem been this year? Take all was early and now we're in summer patch season. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Since the 4th of July, summer patch, probably the most frequent diagnosis in the lab. We're getting breakthroughs, got, you know, guys who don't know they have it suddenly getting a little wake up call. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of summer patch. What do you mean when you say breakthroughs, Rich? Is it timing? Was it rate? Was it not enough water? Or did they do everything right and the conditions were so bad that uh, summer patch just took over? You know, it's a little of all of the above. But mm-hmm. this season, I, I, I feel like the heat stress pressure is overcoming our best efforts. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a golf course superintendent tell me, For July, he had 18 days above 90 and eight inches of rain. You know, when you're above 90 for 18 days, I mean, this this, this is South Jersey. That's a pretty significant amount of stress that'll break through uh, even the best executed program. You know, you and I always have this percentage of abiotic, biotic conversation, and I'm always curious about uh, how the samples are coming in. And And I think... You know, there are years where they're predominantly abiotic, 70, 80 percent and very little disease. And other years where it's 50, 50, I think last year with all the moisture turned out to be mostly uh, biotic because, you know, as you say, water is the fuel and temperature is the throttle. So where are we at this year since you brought up heat stress? Is it as much abiotic problems as biotic problems coming into the lab? I think that uh, there's less abiotic overall, hmm. but I've started to write that letter about, you know, your grass looks cooked from the heat stress a lot more frequently. You know, last week was the busiest week I had in a couple of years, oh. and I was writing that letter a lot. A superintendent sent me a couple of pictures and said they had a communication problem and neglected a couple of fairways for like three hours uh, on an afternoon. And the carnage was remarkable. So uh, this continued heat is starting to take its toll. And I think that abiotic number is going to start increasing. And so that's the thing, you know, that's why I like having these conversations, Rich, because what we always sort of notice is, and you probably notice it more than anybody, you know, right now, I mean, I woke up in upstate New York today, it was 51 degrees. So I'm not worried about too many heat stress problems when I get... 50 degree nights. But when you're at, you know, 90 degrees for 18 straight days, you start to see that abiotic problem. But 
you see it sort of time delayed, right? You usually, I mean, nobody's sending the samples in before they look bad (laughs) in anticipation of the problem. So you always have this sort of weak delay. So now you think the tsunami's coming? We always talk about like the day of death every summer. And, uh, you know, it was field day for us. Oh, the weekend before was uh, upper 90s, touching 100 degrees. And on field day, you know, I got like 46 samples from there on until guys start to, you know, air fry and repair, mm-hmm. you know, mid-August. Mm-hmm. We just get a steady stream of death and destruction. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm right in the middle of it, man. So, so, so when you are writing uh, these, well, essentially death certificates to the grass that you've seen, uh, you've confirmed, you obviously have to say something to the effect that, well, don't expect much recovery, but maybe you should make a fungicide application. So when you see a biotic problem at this time of year, do you still recommend uh, fungicide use or is it best to just start backing off everything and, and letting it go? Or should a fungicide be applied or is the damage already done? Well, you're going to have damage, right? But how, how much damage can you take and how much more? I mean, we still got another month and even we still get peaks of samples after Labor Day. So fungicides and prudent fungicide use. <laughs> Um, not every day um, is something that I, I, I still recommend. I always write, you know, maintain your preventive program. Do what you can, you know, to kind of mitigate until you can start to recover and renovate and that sort of stuff. So you probably better than anybody, you know, know about the sort of chemical management programs for the people that are submitting samples. And I know from your comment that there probably are some fungicide programs we might call imprudent and maybe more prudent on the other side. But even when they're prudent or, or imprudent, my sense is that the sole reliance on those things is getting tougher and tougher as the years go by. Is, is that a fair statement? Well, from when I started to now, we have a whole bunch more fungicide products. You know, there's different chemical classes. There's a lot of choices out there. And, and they're all relatively effective materials for a lot of diseases. But the thing that it comes down to is how effective is your cultural program and do you rely on your cultural program as the basis for your plant health? You know, fungicides are value added and protection, but you can't beat summer patch if you have a crappy cultural program. Right. And the same for uh, anthracnose. I mean, we had conversations earlier in the year how surprised you continue to be with the number of anthracnose samples that are coming in. And there seems to still be this persistent low fertility mantra that we hear. And that's part, I got to believe that's part of a cultural program that you're talking about. And how much low end problems are you still seeing with anthracnose? Everybody who brings anthracnose is in the low end. Uh, you know, oh, I have 0.7 for the year. Or we're, and, and listen, this is what guys did in the mid 90s. And we had 10 years of anthracnose research, and we produced a bunch of PhD guys telling us how to grow annual bluegrass greens without anthracnose. But the first thing that we learned was you got to use three pounds of N to mitigate the disease. I mean, samples dropped by 50% when Bruce Clark stood up in the winter meetings and started to say fertilize more. More N, yeah. And then they're figuring out how to get the speeds on the other side but you're right. The basis of these problems are cultural. And I guess, Rich, as we wrap up, I'm going to ask you another sort of philosophical question. And I think we've talked about it earlier with Dollar Spot, for example. 
that the resistant varieties that you guys have developed there, Stacy and Bill and the breeders there have developed over the years with Bruce and Jim that are dollar spot resistant. I talk to superintendents, even in heavy pressure areas, and they tell me they've made two fungicide apps a year for dollar spot. So I am hearing that the breeding efforts are really paying off. Are some of the cultural programs we rely on really hard to do because we just have really old crappy grasses or a predominance of annual bluegrass that we're stressing out too much? Yeah, I was waiting for that. Yeah, you know, uh, even in the in the professional soccer field with the gray leaf spot, they were using varieties of ryegrass that were 10 years old. That genetic advantage is huge. Dr. Meyer told me that his ryegrasses that are the best ones this year will be well down the list in five years. They roll them over, they improve them so quickly. Mm. So uh, it, it behooves everybody, if you want to reduce the amount of fungicide you're putting out, to get into the newer varieties and maybe some of these old courses an outright renovation, you know, mm-hmm. spray off your teas with Roundup and reseed them or something. Yeah, that's really ultimately becomes the dilemma, Rich, is how do you get the new grasses in? It seems like on greens, if you're growing annual bluegrass, figure out how to get green speeds with the amount of nitrogen you need to uh, prevent anthracnose. Now, uh, I, I always like to ask you to promote the lab before we get out of here. And I know you're having the busiest time of the year, but I'm sure you got room for a few more samples. Where can people get the information? It's a, it's a party. So everybody <laughs> join in. Uh, all you have to do is Google Rutgers Plant Diagnostic Laboratory and we pop up pretty quick. And the website is njaes.rutgers.edu forward slash plant diagnostic lab, all in one word. Excellent. And then on those pages are how to submit a sample. Everything you need to know, including my phone number. Okay. <laughs> but not your cell phone number. No, hell no. <laughs> but uh, you can get to me through the email. Call the lab. Sabrina will uh, answer and, and, and be grumpy with you. And uh, uh <laughs> So, but we're, we're here to help. So. All right, great. Thanks for taking the time, Rich. Appreciate it. Take care now. All right. Thanks, Frank. And thanks to our partners at Dryject, the only machine that aerates top dresses and amends in a single pass, and Intelligro, manufacturers of Civitas, a fungicide that's so much more. I'm Frank Rossi. Thanks for joining us. 